Welcome to Final Girl Friday. My name is Molly, and I like scary movies. I get a little extra kick out of using that intro when it's for an episode where I'm talking about a Scream movie. I just got back from watching Scream 5. A guy named Billy Loomis and his friend carved up a bunch of high school kids while wearing this Halloween ghost mask. And every decade or so, some idiot gets the bright idea to put on the mask, kill his friends, and get famous too. It was so much better than I had expected it to be. I realize, by the way, that the movie is just called Scream, but I'm calling it Scream 5, okay? This movie is aware that it called itself Scream and that that was very annoying, which doesn't make it okay, but it does make it a little bit better. I'm doing things a little bit differently tonight. This is a spur-of-the-moment review. No news, no points of interest. I haven't prepped anything. I don't do unscripted episodes very often, and I sincerely hope this will be listenable. What I want to do is talk a little bit about my overall first impressions of the film and a couple of the things that I liked that are not spoilers and then shift into spoiler talk. There's one very specific thing that I really want to talk about that's a pretty major spoiler and I'm sure the internet is going to spoil it for everyone soon enough but it was such a wonderful surprise to me. I would just hate to think that I ruined it for someone who hasn't seen the film. So once I get to the point where I'm getting into spoiler territory I will make it quite clear that that's where we're at and I encourage you to please just shut this off, stop listening and and go watch the film yourself. But we're going to start without spoilers. So Scream 5, directed by Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillette, who brought us Ready or Not, and written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Obviously, it's the first Scream film without Wes Craven uh, in the director's chair, and it's one of the only Scream movies not written by Kevin Williamson. The story centers around a young woman named Sam, who left Woodsboro after getting into kind of a slew of trouble in the wake of her parents' divorce. Her younger sister Tara and Tara's friend group are being terrorized by a killer at the start of the film, which brings Sam back to Woodsboro. And uh, once back, a lot of things come to light about her past, including its connection to the events of the first Scream. You have the new generation of Woodsboro residents, most of whom are in one way or another related to characters from the first Scream or connected to them in some way. I really enjoyed that. I feel like they played up the small town aspect of Woodsboro better in this film than I think they have in any of them. In the first Scream, you did have a sense that Woodsboro was was a a tight-knit community. But I think you feel it even more in Scream 5. So you have that new generation, and then you have the legacy characters, Sid, Dewey, and Gail. As well as Judy Hicks, played by Marley Shelton, she came back. And of course, you have Roger L. Jackson returning as the voice of Ghostface. Gail and Sidney are no longer living in Woodsboro, but Dewey is still there. He was forced into retirement. He and Gail are divorced. He's living in a trailer park and is diligently marching toward becoming the town drunk. Dewey in this film kind of reminds me a little bit of like 
Bobby Singer from Supernatural, where at this point it's just a shock that he's lived this long and he's reached the drinking to forget stage of his life, you know? As soon as it's clear that the kids in Woodsboro are being picked off by someone in a ghost face mask, Dewey contacts both Gail and Sydney to let them know, hey, this is happening again and you need to stay the fuck away. Sydney listens, but of course Gail doesn't. And then uh, a series of events ultimately lead to Sydney returning to Woodsboro as well. The one thing that I would like to emphasize to anyone who has not seen this film yet is to bear in mind, if you are not a fan of fan service, this will not be the Scream film for you. (laughs) There's a review on Variety by Owen Gleiberman where he says, the new Scream may be the first horror movie that turns the mockery of fan service into its own fan service, which is very... Very, very true. That is such an accurate way to say it. It's like the meta slasher equivalent of a Russian nesting doll. I mean, personally, I think all of the Scream films have provided us with varying degrees of fan service, whether it be for the franchise itself or the horror genre. Fan service is what Scream does. But this new one, it's fan service from start to finish. And I mean that as a compliment. I mean it in a good way. I remember back when it was announced that Nev Campbell had joined the cast, we thought that Nev Campbell was never going to do this again, that she was was done playing Sydney, And it was surprising when she said she was coming back, but she went on to explain that Olpen and Gillette had written her a letter, kind of explaining where they were coming from and, and what they hoped to accomplish with the film, and that that letter had completely turned her around. She emphasized that these directors, that they were approaching this with a lot of love for the first film and a lot of love for Wes Craven. And I have to say, one of the biggest takeaways uh, from this film for me was a, like a deep understanding of why Nev Campbell chose to come back. <laughs> Scream 5 is a love letter, not just to the fans of, of Scream, but to fans of, of horror, of course, and to fans of Wes Craven himself. Himself. I was really impressed with the tribute that they paid to Wes consistently throughout the film. And I really wish I hadn't worked so hard on my fucking eye makeup before going to the theater. I wasn't expecting to, to cry. Several times I cried watching this film. This was kind of what I had wanted from Scream 4. When we first found out Scream 4 was happening, you know, I was, I was not happy. I was so pleased with the way things had wrapped up at the end of Scream 3. Prepared for that to be, you know, the Scream trilogy. And I, I was satisfied by it. So Scream for I just I didn't want it but you know once you realize okay these, these things are happening there's nothing I can do to stop them I started to gradually get more and more excited look more and more forward to Scream 4 hoping that it would be kind of exactly what this Scream movie was but I didn't get fan service or love letter vibes from the fourth Scream film not not really you had Hayden Penetier's character Kirby you know she was she kind of felt like um, a gift for the fans but for the most part I got reboot vibes from Scream 4 this new Scream Scream 5 all I get are love letter vibes. This feels like it was made by fans for fans. This is also a very funny film, which is such a breath of fresh air. Again, after the fourth one, I'm sorry that I'm comparing it to Scream 4 so much. It's just, it is a direct sequel to Scream 4. It's the second time that we've seen a continuation from the original trilogy. So it's, it's hard to kind of look at this one without comparing it to the one that came right before it. Scream 4, to me, was not very funny. It had a, a couple of moments, you know, again, through characters like Kirby and then um. Per- and Haas. They were great. And I mean, the fourth film was written by Kevin Williamson, so there was quite a bit of humor in the dialogue. It's just the execution, the overall tone of Scream 4, it was a little more subdued, a little more despondent, you know? And that interfered a bit with the humor and the fun. And don't 
don't get me wrong. I love Scream 4. I do. I mean, the fourth Scream features my favorite version of Gail Weathers. And I, I do really love Kirby. She's one of my favorite characters. The opening sequence of the fourth Scream is my favorite. So I'm not trying to sit here and rag on Scream 4. But the new Scream, while the writing will never quite match that Kevin Williamson level of cleverness, the tone, the feeling of this Scream is so much closer to that of the original Scream trilogy. Scream 5 is having a lot of fun. I didn't expect to laugh so much, and I, I just really appreciated that. I, I appreciate that they prioritized the humor as much as they did. It was one of the things that I love most about the first Scream. I was also impressed by how brutal it is, and that, that was something that I had heard a lot in the months leading up to the film's release, that it was a, a more violent, a more shocking and brutal Scream film than we had seen in a long time. And that is also true. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily shocking on the on the gore front. I think that Scream 4 was much gorier than, than this one. But the kills in this one are the most brutal that we've seen so far. There is a distinct harshness to the way that Ghostface kills in this movie, and I I fucking love that. Most of the kills are actually unceremonious. In that sense, it feels so much more grown up than the previous films. And I love that Roger L. Jackson has really returned to his roots in terms of his performance of Ghostface. He sounds a lot more like he did in in the first Scream film, especially the opening scene, it takes Tara a very, very long time to realize that she's talking to a serial killer. And it was just really great to see them kind of return to that. Now, I know that I've been singing a lot of praises, and I do feel that the film deserves every last one. I really enjoy this movie, but it isn't a perfect movie. One of the things that disappointed me about it, it was a personal thing. I really wanted to see a specific character brought back. That character was not brought back. It's not the film's fault. And they did make up for it immensely, which I'll get into in the spoiler portion of this review. Um, so I don't really feel like it's a fair criticism to say, oh, well, they, they could have brought this character back, but they didn't. But the other flaw that I feel the film has is um, just a couple of days ago, I took a step back and asked myself, what is it exactly that I hope to get out of this movie? What do I hope to walk away with? I wanted it to scare me. The slasher subgenre is my favorite. It's the one that I watch the most often. It's the one with which I'm most familiar. Given the formulaic nature of slasher films and how predictable even the most subversive ones are, I don't really get scared by most slasher films in any kind of consistent way. And so typically when I'm considering how scary a slasher film is, I'm looking at moments. And with the Scream films especially, each one of them features at least one moment where my heart drops into my stomach. The most notable for me is in the third Scream film, actually. <laughs> if any of you listened to the episode where Eli and I went through the whole franchise, I, I, you may have already heard me say this, but I absolutely adore the third Scream film. I realize it's a very unpopular opinion, but I think it's fucking fantastic and I will die defending it if necessary. <laughs> and one of the many reasons why I, I like it so much is that it does feature what for me is the scariest moment in the entire Scream franchise, which is when Sydney is on the phone with a woman that sounds an awful lot like her mother. And I, I get how absurd the voice alteration thing was, but she's on the phone having what sounds like a relatively standard conversation for her line of work and the tone of the conversation shifts and she looks down and she sees the light indicating that the phone call came through to her personal line instead of her business line. That moment to this day still gives me that heart sinking into my gut feeling. It is terrifying to me. I was reflecting on screen five, trying to think of moments in this film where I felt that way. And I thought about it for so long and I really 
couldn't think of any, which is sad to me. It has so much going for it. It's such a great movie, but I couldn't think of a single moment in the film where I was genuinely afraid. I was tense and excited and surprised, and, and they definitely nailed the murder mystery of it all because I was constantly second-guessing myself about who the killer was. But yeah, I just, I can't think of a single instance where it really scared me. There is a moment where one of the characters uh, who has already been attacked by Ghostface is attempting to use their phone and their hands are covered in blood so they're unable to unlock their phone and call 911. They're just sort of smearing their thumbs across the screen in an effort to unlock it. It's just not working. That was probably, for me, one of the, quote, scariest moments in the movie just because it wasn't something that I had seen before in a horror film and it definitely felt like a realistic moment. So that was unsettling. I, I, I definitely think it's a good slasher movie. It's just not an especially scary slasher movie. So I mean, this isn't a perfect film, but all in all, I walked away from Scream 5 feeling like I had been given almost everything I wanted. I felt shocked. I was entertained. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I really wanted to find out who the killer was. I cried a couple of times. I was cracking up, you know, just laughing the whole time. I think I looked over at Rory at least three times and said, I am having so much fun right now. <laughs> there was even a line of dialogue from Sydney that got applied from the audience. We were all clapping for her. I can't even remember the last time I saw a movie where there was applause for a character, you know, like there were people in costume. Nearly everyone that wasn't in costume was wearing a Scream t-shirt of some kind. Yeah, just everything about the experience was what I love about going to the movies. And so I just walked away feeling like I had gotten, as I said, almost everything I wanted. The last thing that I will say before I move into spoilers is um, if you are someone who enjoyed the first Scream, but they kind of lost you, with the sequels, I highly recommend checking this new Scream out. There's little to no retconning of the sequels. They brought back, you know, Judy Hicks, who is a character from the fourth film. You know, you have the death of Randy, which occurs in the second movie. So, I mean, obviously, this film is building on the entire canon, but it is predominantly a love letter to the first Scream film and to the fans of the first Scream film. I think that this would be a great watch for anybody who enjoys slasher movies and enjoyed the first Scream. Alright, so last chance from this point forward, if you have not seen Scream 5, proceed with extreme caution because I'm about to spoil like everything in it. First and foremost, I have to talk about the thing that shocked me the most. Back in 2013-ish, Kevin Williamson revealed his original vision for the plot to Scream 3. How he described that original vision was uh, was this, and I'm taking this from an article on Bloody Disgusting. In my original story for Scream 3, the killers were basically a fan club of Woodsboro kids that had formed because of Stab 1 and 2. They were all doing the killings, and the big surprise of the movie was when Sydney walked into the house after Ghostface had killed everyone, and they all rose up. None of them were actually dead, and they had planned the whole thing. The motive was their quest for fame. They were trying to top Sydney's Woodsboro story so they could be the legacy of their hometown. So that idea eventually became um, a series called The Following, starring Kevin Bacon. I don't know if it's because of The Following that the actual fan club concept was never really worked into a Scream film, but I'll tell you, 
ever since I heard that idea, coupled with kind of taking it a step further that Stu had not really died at the end of the first Scream and that he was instead in prison and had become almost like a Manson-like character, since the moment I first heard all of that, I have not been able to get it out of my head. I want to see it happen so badly. And there were so many rumors along those lines surrounding this new Scream movie. And then once it was revealed that Stu Mocker's house would be featured heavily, and then you had that line in the trailer where Ghostface says, Sydney, it's an honor. Just all of these things were coming together. And I became convinced that Scream 5 was going to bring Stu back and that it was somehow going to incorporate that original Williamson vision, even if it was just down to like multiple killers, that there would be more than two killers in this movie. So that was what I was convinced was going to happen. I was fully prepared to see Matthew Lillard again and for there to be like at least three killers, right? Stu Mocker does not come back and there are only two killers in this movie. So neither of those things happened. However, as disappointed as I might have been under normal circumstances, they made up for it beautifully by bringing Billy fucking Loomis back, which I was just not expecting. What really kills me about this is it was a deliberate misdirect, because I know I'm not even remotely the only person who had thought that Stu might be coming back even before we saw his house featured so heavily in the trailers. I was not the only person who was expecting to see Stu, and they knew that, and they used it to their advantage. The moment that they reveal Skeet Ulrich, all is forgiven. Even that line in the trailer, the uh, the it's an honor thing, that was so cleverly used. Ghostface doesn't say that to Sydney in that context. They created an entirely new context for the trailer, which was suggestive of a fan club concept <laughs> that doesn't exist in the film. So yeah, they did a great job of toying with audience expectations, and then they just, they made up for it in a way I never saw coming. Obviously, Billy dies at the end of the first scream. It's not like they've resurrected him or that he's come back as a ghost uh, in the literal sense, but it is revealed to us that our main character, Sam, is the daughter of Billy Loomis. She's kind of plagued with fear of becoming him, of growing up to be just like him. And that fear, that anxiety causes these invasive visions of Billy. So when it first happened, I mean, I I felt like I was going to have a fucking heart attack. (laughs) I really wish that they hadn't digitally de-aged Skeet Ulrich, just because I'm not a fan of that technology. It didn't look terrible. The longer you look at it, the more obvious it is that it's digital. But the main issue that I have with digital de-aging is that like all CG it's not going to age well. So all I can think about is how in a few years it's going to look like shit. So that that kind of bummed me out. But it's still Skeet. And it is so much fun to see him in the role of Billy for the first time since 96. That was the thing I was most looking forward to talking about was just how happy I was that they chose to bring Billy back. And I think that in terms of the story, they chose a great way to work him back in. I do wish that they had done something differently at the end. Uh, Roy and I were talking about this last night. I think he was the one who first suggested it. I hadn't really thought about it like this, but it would have been great if they had ended on a note of, is Billy's influence on Sam a good thing or a bad thing? I kind of wish that they had left it open. Not that I want to encourage the creation of more Scream movies, but in this particular case, I think it would have worked a little bit better than the more kind of heartwarming ending that we got. Because at the end of the film, Sam approaches Sydney and says, you know, am I going to be okay? And Sydney says, eventually. And that was very sweet. And it was a nice passing of the torch moment between the final girls. But, but I think it would have been disturbing and fun if after she had walked away from that, we see that, that sort of ghost 
ghost of Billy is still with her and that it's kind of up in the air. Sam kills the ever-living fuck out of Richie in this movie, you know? <laughs> she doesn't just shoot him precautiously. Sam brutalizes Richie. So I think it would have been just really great if they had played that up a bit more that maybe, maybe she is going to turn out just like her dad. Another thing that I wanted to make sure I mentioned is how impressed I was with Jack Quaid, who plays Richie, one of the two killers in the film. I think Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid being two of the most wholesome American actors of the 90s, and then to take their child and cast him as one of the killers in this specific movie was just, it was brilliant, man. It was a brilliant decision because it does exactly what it should do. You know he's one of the killers. Like, you just know it. There's no way that he's not. But he's so charming and so likable that throughout the film, I kept kind of just like stepping back and being like, wait, am is he, okay, am I really right about this or is it too obvious? They made it so obvious that he was the killer that it, it looped back around and became mysterious. It's such a delicate line, such a difficult thing to accomplish and I think they really pulled it off. And Jack Wade was just so entertaining. He was so funny. Uh, he seemed very comfortable in the role and with the dialogue. He had great chemistry with almost everyone in the cast, except ironically, Amber, his partner. She was the one character that I felt he didn't really have much chemistry with. I would say Richie is one of the most entertaining killers that the franchise has ever seen. That being said, I'm not a fan of his or Amber's motives. I think they're the worst motives that we've seen thus far. So we have two extremes here. We have a really entertaining killer with a really crappy motive. And that dichotomy spurred some discussion between Rory and me. We actually ended up sitting down and ranking the Scream killers in two separate categories, one being entertainment value and the other being motive. Looking at my lists, in terms of entertainment value, Richie is right up there at the top just beneath Stu. Uh, but in terms of motive, he's at the very bottom, just above Amber. Richie's motive, as I understand it, is that he feels that the stab films are no longer being taken seriously, that there have been so many sequels to them that at this point they have become a joke. And so he wants to create more real-life murders in the hopes that they'll launch uh, what they call a requel to the stab films that will force people to take them more seriously. That's how I understand his motive. And then Amber's motive is even worse than that. She just says toward the end of the film, as she's pleading for her life, she says she just wanted to be a part of something. One of the laziest things I've ever heard come out of a killer's mouth in a Scream movie. So really high entertainment value from Richie. Lackluster motives from both he and his partner. I wasn't super impressed with Amber. There were several characters in the movie that I felt were a little bland, and Amber was definitely one of them. So when it was revealed that she was the second killer, it wasn't like a Battlestar Galactica level disappointment, but it just sort of got a meh reaction from me. But five stars all around for Richie in terms of entertainment value. Such a fun killer. I did want to touch briefly on the deaths of the legacy characters. So there were two legacy characters killed off in this movie. The first being Judy Hicks, who, to be perfectly frank, was not one of the most memorable characters from the fourth Scream film for me. I thought Marley Shelton did a really great job with the role, but to me, Judy's entire existence in the fourth film was very two-dimensional. She was a red herring, and she was an adversary for Gale. Uh, and not only was she an adversary for Gale, but she was one of my least favorite kinds of adversaries. I'm not a fan of women bickering over men in movies. I just, I find it so incredibly boring. So although there was a little bit of cute banter between Gail and Judy, she really didn't do it for me. So I was a little indifferent 
to her being brought back for Scream 5. And admittedly, her death didn't really have much of an emotional impact on me. However, I did really enjoy everything leading up to and surrounding her and her son's deaths. I thought that the whole sequence was tense and exciting. There were some really funny moments, particularly with her son, with Wes, and the fact that she was killed in broad daylight on her front lawn. It was brutal. So despite my feelings about her in the fourth film, I was a fan of how they utilized her in this one. As canon fodder for Ghostface, she was great. But then, of course, on the flip side of that, you have the death of Dewey Riley. This was not an easy death. <laughs> of the three main legacy characters, I think they went with the lesser of three evils in choosing who to kill off. There's no way around it. It sucks. It really sucks to see him go. But I think, I think the reason why I feel it's the lesser of three evils is mostly that losing him does bring Sydney and Gale together in a way that we really haven't seen them much. In the films that came before this one, we got so many moments with Jess, Dewey, and Gale, and we got a, a pretty big handful of moments with Dewey and Sydney. This is really one of the only times that we get to see our two heroines working alongside each other. And we get some really great moments between the two of them in the wake of Dewey's death, as well as a couple of wonderful moments from Gale just by herself. Watching her break down over Dewey's death hit me so hard. That was one of the moments that made me cry. And then there's a moment in the lobby of the hospital where she's sitting there alone, looking out the window, reflecting. And it's a very vulnerable moment for Gail Weathers, one that we really haven't seen very often. Oh my God. And when Gail is confronting Amber and she says to her, you killed my best friend, I, I was done. <laughs> as much as I hate to see Dewey go, and I do, there were some beautiful moments that came from his death. Now, all that aside, the reason he dies is ridiculous. I was not happy with how they killed him off. Because first of all, they set him up as living such a sad life now. He's a very down-on-his-luck character by this point in the timeline. And then they tease that they're going to kill him. But he gets away. It's a nice moment for him. He gets to kind of step into that role of, of Sheriff Dewey again. And he's saving people's lives and it's, it's wonderful. But at the same time that he's having this nice heroic moment, he's making the same mistakes he's made in the past. He's not shooting Ghostface in the head. And then when he does incapacitate the killer, Ghostface is right there, unconscious, on the floor. Why, by this point, after everything that he has survived, would he not just walk three feet forward and rip the mask off? Even if Ghostface face managed to kill him in that brief moment, there are several people right there with him that could have pulled him away or that would have learned the identity of the killer and run to tell someone. Now, granted, Richie is one of the people standing right there, so there's no telling how he would have behaved if Amber had been revealed in that moment. But it just, it infuriated me that Dewey didn't take the mask off to begin with, didn't shoot Ghostface in the head, and then decides at the last minute to go back alone to finish the job. And of course, it's in that much more vulnerable vulnerable moment that he dies. They also let the camera linger for a long time so that there's no doubt in our mind that Dewey is dead and Gail is trying to call him. It did feel a little mean-spirited. <laughs> Just a touch just a touch mean. So yeah, I think that would probably be my biggest complaint. I'm not angry that they killed Dewey, but I am disappointed with the way they chose to do it. In spite of that and the other criticisms I've made, I really do think that this is a damn fine installment in the Scream franchise. If you had asked me prior to seeing this, if I wanted a Scream 6, I would have said absolutely not. No question about it. But um, 
the original cast has said that they would be happy to keep going as long as there's a demand for it. I don't need more Scream movies. I haven't needed more Scream movies since the third one ended. But seeing this one and loving it as much as I did, if Olpen and Gillette were attached to the project and what's left of the original cast wanted to come back, I don't think I would be too terribly distraught if they decided to make another one. There's so much more that I wanted to talk about, you know, all the Easter eggs and how much I loved Chad and Mindy Meeks. Oh god, and I forgot to mention Heather Matarazzo coming back as Randy's sister. There's so much. Hopefully someday in the future I can do a deep dive of this film. We can talk about it for a much longer period of time, but yeah, I just, I had to get this shit out, man. I had such a great time with this movie. you guys enjoyed this impromptu review. I'm kind of testing the waters with these shorter unscripted episodes. If you didn't hate it and you think you'd like to hear more of them, please reach out to me and let me know. Conversely, if you would prefer I never do something like this again, I'd like to know that too. Feedback is appreciated. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you seen Scream 5? What are your thoughts on it? Were you a fan of Richie? Did you cry when Dewey died? There's no shame. I think I think we all did. Were you equally shocked and dumbfounded that Billy Loomis came back? Let's keep this conversation going. If you're new here, there are a number of ways you can get a hold of me. You can look me up on the Slasher app. My username is Final Girl Friday. Instagram at Molly Oblivion. Or if you prefer old school correspondence, you can email me at finalgirlconfessions at gmail.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and you feel compelled to support its growth financially, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Final Girl Friday and kick in a couple of buttons. But no pressure. As always, I'm just happy you're here and listening. I'll be back soon talking about something. I don't know what. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, don't fuck with the original, and until next time, creep it real. Creep it real.